0: Samarov, and all that's old hat by now. Uh, today, I bring you a conversation with the music writer Lior Galil. We talk about his uh, schooling in Brandeis, uh, growing up around DC, uh, getting into music journalism, uh, ending up uh, his current uh, job uh, as a senior writer at the Chicago Reader, where I'm also an occasional contributor. Um, this is really a uh, good wide wide-ranging discussion about jur- journalism art and sort of a lot of other things uh, uh, i know you'll enjoy this talk uh, at least three quarters as much as i did musicians writers you know artists yeah all, all those types of people awesome so yeah, that's what so I'm talking to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm none of them. No, I'm I'm kidding. Thank you again for asking
0: me. Yeah, so how did how did you get into this like music writing racket? Was that like always the dream or was there a different dream?
1: Um, you know, I don't I don't know that that dream is such a funny thing. I mean, I I suppose that's that's the right word for it because um, I mean, if I've, I've talked to you a little because, you know, uh, I I moved here from Boston. I'm not from the Boston area, but I went to college out there. I went to Brandeis. Yeah. Um, and uh, Which, you know, was a largely wonderful experience. And, <laughs> uh, you, you know, there, I, I mean, there's a lot about it I love. I think almost everyone who goes to a university has some uh, friction with the way that, like, a university administration is run. Uh, mm. I think it's pretty normal, normal stuff, yeah. although they were pretty um, transparent with any of us who like had to work with them. And I, I booked shows among, uh, (laughs) among other, like I, me and a buddy um, formed a club my junior year to book smaller concerts in a coffee house and a castle. Um, There's a castle on the campus of Brandeis, which is a dormitory. And at the very (laughs) bottom of one of the turrets is a small coffee house called Chamonley's better known as chums, um, where all the, Performance groups have like, you know, frequent coffee houses um, that they organize the entire lineup. And so we formed this club our junior year to book bands and more importantly, to get anyone else that was interested in booking small bands to mm. kind of figure out that process. And we developed a really archaic and complicated and frustrating uh, approach to to one, fundraising and two, kind of organizing a schedule <laughs> of bands. <of laughs> bands and allowing you know everyone in the club an uh, equal say so we had people vote on which bands they wanted to bring which oh. always stalled the process of booking touring bands but we got like our first show was a k records tour mm. um daniel johnston uh, the microphones um and this D-plus. is in what
0: uh, i think i i just saw your uh i looked at the your bylines from the brandeis hoot
1: Oh goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's uh,
0: like 06 to 08 it looks like something uh, like that. yeah, yeah, 06 uh. to
1: yeah, it was fall of 06. Uh, I went abroad in the spring of 07. Um, okay. and came back for, you know, senior did it all through senior year. Um yeah, we had some we had some amazing shows. Um Girl Talk, see, huh? Girl Talk, yeah, Girl Talk <laughs> in a small ass coffee house like As Night Ripper had just come out and as he was becoming like an internationally celebrated and also uh, a, a bit of a, a, a legal curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That was, that was quite a time for, for us. And we had like, um, uh, you know, we got some, the second year we were doing it, uh, my friend Ethan who co-founded the club had mm-hmm. already graduated and my friend Mike kind of stepped into the role uh, as my collaborator on that. Cause okay. he was doing that when I left for, study abroad Mm -hmm. in london um and he like we got um the larger concert organizers like decided to help uh run a show with us and so they gave us some money to get mission of burma Mm -hmm. which was awesome uh and uh right because they had just reformed right exactly yeah uh and we put that on in uh kind of an an, not quite an auditorium um Mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure out how to describe the shape of this classroom it was you know it was a larger classroom with Mm -hmm. uh kind of an empty floor where you could set up desks and Mm. actually the their desks were set up when we got in there with a band and i forget which band which member of mission of burma was like leave the desks out (laughs) yeah yeah uh we couldn't quite do that but um that was was pretty funny we also i mean uh i brought ian Mackay to to do A &A in that same space like Mm. uh that in the spring of 08 um anyway i mean you know i was doing a lot with that i was writing for several different publications on campus i was djing on the radio station i was in an improv group i somehow you know went to classes uh and slept um doing all this uh it's yeah i i mean like i I definitely burnt myself out a lot in college but for for good reason and when you say dream i think about like you know all the well well, meaning professors who were just like journalism is not a path like that. Just isn't a, yeah. like find something else. Um, don't like. So, but don't
0: who even... are who are your models? Like, why did why did you go into that? Or like, why so sure. it's not a dream? Or like, what did you see that inspired you to say, "Well, this is what I want to do"? You know? uh, well, I mean, uh, one of my models
1: was a senior year. I had a uh, a terrific professor named Wayne Marshall, who mm-hmm. is who teaches at a few different schools in the boston area Mm. now uh he came in as on like a two-year contract um he's an ethnomusicologist he's a terrific music writer Mm. um and i took a class in the fall with him which was like the history of electronic music where he also showed us how to do like some pretty pretty basic uh electronic music programming and Mm. You know kind of brought us through the styles from like electro acoustic mm. uh recordings in the 1950s to like contemporary uh contemporary like electronic music so like i learned about footwork through yeah. wayne which was <laughs> super cool like he was he was super into dj nate before dj nate had like a you know a, a london label releasing <laughs> compilations of, of his like really out there footwork uh production And Wayne had, uh, still has, you know, a blog called Wayne and Wax Mm. and he, you know, that there are other people, uh, other writers who I admired who like obviously had their own blogs at the time. This is 2007, 2008. Uh, but it was amazing to, to like have a teacher who kind of showed us the value of writing for yourself in those, you know, in, in that kind of format yeah. Uh, because we were also like reading, you know, some of his lessons with drawn material that he had written mm-hmm. and posted on his blog, which was so cool. I didn't have any other professor do that. I, you know, yeah. I don't know how many st- college students had that experience.
0: How um, old was he? Younger? Or he's? Yeah, he was. I mean, at that, I mean, at that, at point, that time, you
1: know. yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he was probably in his thirties at yeah. that time. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, uh, really, really terrific, gifted. Caring teacher, mm-hmm. um, uh, so that was that was a model. I mean, as soon as I graduated, I yeah. had no idea what I wanted to do. I wanted to stick around Boston, which was pretty foolish um, yeah, financially. Since,
0: and yeah, Boston's a horrible place. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, <laughs> almost almost everyone agrees. I know a couple of people <laughs> that don't, weirdly enough, but uh, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the things I love about Boston are the
1: the people yeah. that I have uh, deep bonds with. Um, and a lot of them are still there. My sister, you know, she went to Brandeis, she came to Brandeis, um, she's two years younger than me mm. and she, she lives there. Um, oh, okay. Still, um, not at Brandeis in, in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there are a lot of people that, uh, they finally,
0: they kicked, they kicked her out of the dorms after, exactly. after 10, yeah. 10, 15 years. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: in <laughs> uh, a lot of my friends who stuck around, who were part of the reason that I want to stay in Boston are still, still there. And you know if you can make a living in Boston, uh, particularly as somebody who doesn't have like if you're coming in as if you an, can make
0: a living in Boston, you should be living in New York. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, the, it's, it's almost as expensive.
1: It's it's prohibitive how <laughs> expensive it is, and yeah, and it's small
0: you know. and it's and there's and it's, yeah, <laughs> and
1: there's a real housing shortage. Like the you know the the, um, the it it is. And there's always a population of new people coming in every yes. year, um, who yeah, <laughs> who as are a, willing to yeah yeah. As a will, townie,
0: like you, you resent the, those the ever like yeah the hordes of co- college kids totally. Uh, <laughs> and as as
1: a not even townie, I mean, yeah. as soon as I got out of college yeah, and I was yeah. living in the, uh, I Where'd was living, you live? Um, uh, oh god, why am I? I was living in, in basically on the like a strange intersection. It was technically brighton but it was you around the corner around my apartment and you're on the border of coolidge corner yeah um and also you go two blocks you know south and you're in alston it was it was like a very interesting nether zone where i also felt um far enough away from like the frat yeah section of alston (laughs) so you um,
0: lived off of com ave somewhere yes exactly
1: um yeah and not too not too like a you know less than 10 minute walk down to Harvard street if I wanted to make it a longer walk, but I could, you know, Coolidge corner theater was a very short walk away from me, which is
0: where uh, I worked in in high school.
1: I love, I love that theater so much.
0: (laughs) That's Uh, where, that's where I met. Uh, well, the the guy that took over when it became a nonprofit foundation, which, you know, quote unquote, saved the Coolidge, mm -hmm. uh, it's before your time, but, uh, was the father of the, of the guitar player from uh, Volcano Sons. Oh no way! Yeah, David Kleiler. Yeah, that's that, so funny. Well, that's how I met Pete Prescott. Was because of that. <laughs> yeah,
1: that is so funny. Yeah,
0: yeah. So small world. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Boston really does feel like a small yeah. world. But I mean, Boston. You know, I did. I did Americorps. Um, oh. I and I kind of. I lucked into a position. I shouldn't say lucked into. You know, I applied, um, yeah. and the the Americorps position I was a Vista that I got was essentially being vacated by somebody else who got a, you know, a full time uh, position elsewhere. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, it was it was it was a great experience in a lot of ways, and um, uh, and and also it wasn't uh, in that like I, I learned that I didn't want to work kind of in in nonprofit um, infrastructure building, which is. Mm essentially what the position was Um, and it was the position was also in flux. My immediate supervisor uh, ended up leaving after five months because she, she went on pregnancy leave. Um, She had, she she had a kid. Uh, So I was, you know, I was kind of like forced to figure out what I was doing on my own, which was, you know, pretty neat. Um, And I learned, I learned a lot and it was great to feel like I was, I was a part of something that was helping the community um yeah. in in the broadest sense i was working for this place called the youth advocacy project which was in the middle of becoming a, a nonprofit government hybrid um mm. they supply basically at-risk and high-risk youth who are yeah. in, you know who've been arrested and um uh, with public defenders who are yeah. trained to work with youth uh-huh. um and uh, one of the you know one of the first weeks in the gig, I uh gig. It's a you know, it's a <laughs> uh, a volunteer position yeah. that pays under, you know, um <laughs> you're you're living on food stamps, you're living under the poverty line. Uh and yeah, one of the one of the first in yeah, it was it was within the first weeks we went uh me and a couple of the other um uh vistas in the office went with some of the lawyers to the courthouse to see mm-hmm. see them in action and more importantly to see the other public defenders yeah not doing so gracefully and not not treating the you know their clients with the respect that they deserve as as people um and so it's a you know it's a tremendous cause and it's it was it was great to feel like I contributed to that even when it often didn't feel like I was able to do much effective change Um, but that's you know government and and, yeah. and non-profit bureaucracy so
0: that was your that was your first job out of after graduating yes. undergrad yeah. or, exactly and, and how, like before we go on though like when where did you come from to Brandeis and what were your did you have some sort of idea what you wanted to study when you got there
1: sure yeah I mean I I yeah. came from uh I grew up in the DC area I grew oh, okay. up in Bethesda Maryland oh, like okay. uh you know right on the border with DC so I had access to uh ever you know uh like my parents were really um they they really impressed on me and my sister like uh an interest in the arts mm. and and kind of like uh, worldliness is, is the wrong thing but they yeah. they um they yeah. really stoked our curiosity in a way that I that I love like
0: what what did they do uh, uh they took you know they made sure that we
1: we went to museums like we oh. took advantage of of the culture that was, you know, essentially steps away from us. But what do they do for a living? Oh, oh yeah. Um, (laughs) My mom, my mom's a social worker. She spent, uh, for most of my childhood, she worked at a, uh, a school for kids with learning disabilities. Mm. Um, Now she works at the National Institute of Health. um, And, uh, you know, in a social work capacity. And my dad is director of transportation for a Jewish nonprofit, um, which you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My parents, uh, they're... My mom is only a government employee. I shouldn't say recently because she got the job when I was in college and mm-hmm. I'm not fresh out of college anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're not the... the. In as much as they're government employees, I never think of, of them in that capacity. You know, yeah. they're like, they didn't work high paying, high salary yeah. jobs. They were doing work that they cared and took an interest in. I mean, my dad my dad was born in in israel he was born right. in you know the palestinian mandate six yeah. months before the state of israel declared independence um oh your and, dad's older huh yeah yes he's okay. he is older um uh, i was
0: gonna say your, your your dad's uh yeah about the same age as my dad yeah which, uh, and i'm a lot older than you so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sure. uh and i mean my dad uh you know my dad grew up in socialist youth groups he uh he
0: like kibbutz and stuff. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So he grew up outside of Tel Aviv, and mm-hmm. his dream, you know, he uh, since he was a kid, he wanted to be part of of a kibbutz. Mm-hmm. And when he joined the military, he was part of a specific wing that that's you spent six months in the military and six months on a kibbutz that the you know the military kind of set you up with and he i believe he was the only one from his unit who stuck around on the kibbutz Mm. where he uh where he was and that's where he met my mom who's studying abroad and came to israel Mm. to volunteer on the same kibbutz um so uh you know he and you know they they met there they got married there you know my dad i don't think considered uh a life beyond the Kibbutz for a lot of his life. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and he ended up in the States, which I'm thankful for because, you know, I don't have, I have a lot of criticisms of the state of Israel and beyond just yeah. the way that it's, uh, that it treats Palestinians, which is, uh, abominably. Um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, my, my mom felt like, a, uh, you know, as a woman, she wasn't treated with. Yeah. It's an intense humanity. place. I've, it is an intense yeah, place. I've been yeah.
0: there What five or six times, uh, I can't ever say I had a good time there. Uh, uh, but it's, it's a place that uh, forces you to choose sides at every turn. Which is uh, exhausting. I mean, it's it a place
1: that, uh, you know, I lived there when I was a baby and I lived yeah. there for a bit in high school. And uh, it's a place that's home, that feels like home to me. And oh, I I think oh, okay. that's, I mean, but uh, that's that's also like so sad to me because I know there's so many, there are millions of people yeah there who aren't Jewish, who it is also their home and do not have an, an you know, like an, an ounce of the rights that I do as a, sure. you know, as a dual citizen who's, who doesn't speak Hebrew, you know, that's um, yeah. the, yeah, the the treatment of the Palestinians is um, a story for another time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a t-
0: yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy, Conversation, but there's not like any easy solution either because Yes,
1: exactly. Though I the, the even just the com- the way the conversations tend to break down so frequently among people just discussing what we're discussing yeah. now.
2: No, I know.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, it's hard to feel I mean this this the, the the thing that I'm alluding the thing that I was alluding to about my, my complicated feelings about Brandeis were largely this. Oh about like Isra- Israel Israel yeah, connected. Yeah. yeah. There was a, How there did was a... you
0: choose that place though, that Brandeis yeah, of all places? I mean
1: I loved um, I went there. I went there. Uh, my mom and I went on a, you know, a, a college yeah. tour when I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And I never thought of myself as like going to college when I was younger. It, oh. And it, it it largely felt like a, you know, a thing that you have to do. Yeah. For me, like it was just sort of like, oh, this is the right. natural next step. Yeah. Um, and Brandeis, like as soon as we finished the trip, my that like the tour, my mom was like, if you want to apply here like we will we will do our best to afford it because it is a fairly expensive school. Mm. Um and uh uh it felt like I could figure out what I wanted to do there. And I also, you know, I did like the idea that like as a, a Jewish person, I would f- there was a, a large Jewish population. Mm. Oh, um,
0: so that was important to you. Okay. I I
1: don't I don't know. It it wasn't important to me, but it was of of interest to me. Huh. Um I liked the fact that there were going to be other Jews. I didn't realize yeah. that I would disagree with a lot of them <laughs> to the degree that I did, which was a, a great learning experience. Um, yeah. uh, and, and it's, you know, it was interesting to feel like I was on the outside of a community that I belonged to and also mm-hmm. therefore felt like I didn't belong to. And it's not like I didn't find other people who I felt community with in, yeah. in that sense. And some of whom were also Israeli, um, yeah. who felt, you know, similarly about me, about, uh, the desire for a free Palestine, um,
0: No, I'm sure there's tons of Israelis in Israel that would completely agree with you. you Yeah, tons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which uh,
1: their voices need to be elevated as well. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, that was you know that was. But I didn't go there just because of that, and I largely loved it despite the, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the fact that I felt like I couldn't discuss. Like I, I basically like hit a wall discussing israel with uh uh some of my friends um
0: yeah my my slant and experience with israel is very different than yours because well i wasn't born there you know i was, I was born in the soviet union but right <laughs> but for my parents and their their parents and uh their generation you know israel was the promised land and there's yeah. nothing yeah you, you can't say anything bad about israel to my parents you know like without getting screaming at you you know like which i I, get a lot
1: (laughs) yeah which also got got passed down to i think our generations i mean that's that's essentially how i stopped talking about it in college was because i encountered that so frequently which is counter to what i love about judaism you know we're (laughs) we're 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 encouraged to question everything and i love that and and suddenly here's this thing that is like so important to everyone and we can't make a value judgment about how like this state is run yeah
0: i went i went there and each time i went there i felt no connection of any kind to the place or or the people you know like i felt nothing connected you know i you know i'm i'm from eastern europe (laughs) you know (laughs) i i don't feel connections to a lot of stuff in america you know let alone some place that you know was a fucking desert that got artificially changed into like some sort of weird oasis you know
2: right right <laughs> like, i mean
0: uh, let, let alone the palestinian stuff like the ecological shit there is all fucked up too you know yeah. <laughs>
1: it, i mean and yeah it's uh yeah you know, I, I, I i get it. my you know my dad was born there because mm. his grandparents managed to leave poland before yeah. the nazis invaded and most sure. of their family members died in the holocaust under yeah. conditions that i still don't know you know yeah um, i can't find numbers associated with them
0: no um, yeah i mean my, like you know my mom i know has relatives that were buried alive by nazis you know as the nazis invaded you know because they when they invaded russia yeah, yeah. And, and she has yeah parts from parts of poland and stuff and then Russia yeah. and all that yeah
1: it's it's weird how recent that all feels and also distant. The you know the number of generations between. <laughs>
0: no, between no, all it's of it's us. not very far away, and it's you know.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, for uh, the, for those people, yeah, like this, the whole idea of Israel was, a, was like saving grace. This is what they all aspired to, except that unfortunately, like every other place, it's run by people, and people right, do what right. people do. If anything, I, to me, like you know, the state of Israel proves that like Jews are no better than any other kind of people. Which is, <laughs> you know? which, which is, is yeah, you know?
1: which is a, a nice thought. We're you know we're we're human. <laughs> All that
0: chosen shit has always uh, rubbed me the wrong way. But sure, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, I do, I do feel a connection to that land because my yeah. dad's whole family lives out there. I of mean, course. I, yeah. um, you know, I do have a cousin who moved to the states god like 15 years ago and i've just i'm not good about keeping up touch keeping in touch with them um and also i mean i grew up yeah i spent most of my childhood in the dc area Mm -hmm. uh, where i had access to world-class museums for free you know i think and once i developed an interest in music uh i had all ages shows at my fingertips i could take the metro to see a fugazi show in a park um I didn't realize how spoiled I was having yeah. access to all that until I went to Boston, <laughs> right. and and suddenly clubs were eighteen and up and twenty one and up, and uh, and I found myself blocked out of yeah that access. Um, so yeah, I mean, I you know my my parents did kind of um, encourage a, a a curiosity in the world that guided me to where I am now, um, and and you know I think their their sense of like being in being connected to a larger community is also shows up in my work quite frequently. And and I think is, is a lot of where my interests continue to lie. Um, Often as an outsider, I mean, I'm documenting communities that I don't belong to. um, Sure. But I, you know, learning about what makes them function and and thrive and um, is, is totally fascinating. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure I answered your question at all. Oh,
0: no, it was just, it was, it was sort of like a, it was a lead. It wasn't much of a question. I, I think it's. I started with like what what ideas you had coming into Brandeis and why you chose it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, but so it, the music was already like a big thing by then for you, as you, yeah. you just said.
1: Yeah, I was a teenager. I loved <laughs> yeah. I, I loved music. My taste was was pretty uh limited at the time. I mean, I What dialogue. were you
0: so you said Fugazi, so Fugazi type bands? That that was your big thing. Barely. I was
1: and, I had oh. a I had a bare, my frame of reference for like DC punk was pretty limited at that yeah. time. Um and I was, you know, I I wasn't plugged into like the zine world in the way that I became in mm. my adult years. I was yeah. still getting a lot of my information about music in the world from like the washington post which my parents yeah. still subscribe to and the washington mm-hmm. city paper which is a fantastic yeah you know all weekly uh which is now no longer in print which bothers me uh but at least they're functioning yeah. um uh
0: oh they still pub- they publish online or yeah
1: yeah oh, about a month a, is it a month ago it was it was within the past few weeks they announced that they're they're killing the the print edition Mm. uh and also that they let go five employees including their longtime photographer darrow montgomery who ended up announcing like he's he is um working with them again like he was able to 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 talk to them and and figure Uh, out a you know something um so which is great because that guy has been working for the city paper since 1984 wow either 84 or 86 it was like he's been working there almost as long as i've been alive if not longer um uh which is his documentation of that city and and of the people who live there beyond kind of like the the politics uh which i you know i love that's why i love the city papers that there are people who live there who aren't involved in the main main industry of the place (laughs) um but yeah i was you know that's that's where i was getting my information like as as a teenager with dial-up internet access like i wasn't like super plugged into a lot of things um but i loved visual art i loved going to museums i loved music i was a new metal kid in in middle school so (laughs) uh, uh, high school was gradually winning myself off that um, yeah uh, and and figuring out the world and like i you know like i remember i forget which I feel like it was the Washington Post. It might've been alternative press of all things. I mean, alternative press when I was in high school did, um, uh, had like a pretty broad uh, kind of dabbling in a lot of different music beyond kind of the warped tour world. And Mm. I feel like I learned, I definitely learned about like iron and wine from alternative press. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure TV on the radio from alternative press and like learning about a lot of like indie bands that I wasn't going to hear about in Rolling Stone or other, you know, the few music publications that I was like really plugged into in high school. Um, And I ended up like falling really hard for TV on the radio in high school when they Mm -hmm. released their first album, uh, which is as somebody who like, I feel like having a a sense of like underground and independent music was like just beyond reach to me then. You know, uh, was was pretty big and uh my parents my fa- my parents often took me and my sister to New York on like mm. spring break trips because you know it's a short drive. Yeah. We had a family friend who let us uh crash at her apartment uh and uh it was you know like yeah like being able to go to New York uh on and and like see the city and and kind of explore that frequently it felt pretty familiar in a lot of ways that I'm thankful for because yeah. I also you know, realized later on I didn't want to live there, but it was nice to be able to like experience it as yeah. much as I did. And senior year, I ended up getting tickets to the Carson Daly show specifically to see TV on the radio <laughs> play. It was, it was essentially like, you know, they were playing a show just as their first record came out. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and that episode, the guests were Vivica A. Fox and Donald Trump.
0: Ah, nice.
1: Yeah. It was a very strange, um,
0: so that would be what, like oh five, oh six? It was 04. 04, um, 04,
1: 04 okay. Yeah, Yeah, The Apprentice was in its first season, which is why oh. Donald Trump was on the show. Oh, I see. Um, and uh, um, Kill Bill was debuting at theaters, which is why Vivica A. Fox was on the show. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it was a very, very strange thing. Anyway, yeah, yeah, but music was increasingly something that I had greater, greater an interest in.
0: But music um, always, as a as a listener, not as like you weren't good uh thinking about of making music no no
1: i mean i was i was very briefly in a band in high school what kind of band uh (laughs) uh let's say it i'll say it was a jam band because the my (laughs) friends my friends that created it were were like jam heads but it was much more of like the kind of like college rock oar variety because one of them was like a super oar fan and i was i was I had a turn. I had a single turntable, uh-huh. uh, like a scratching, you know, yeah. f- specifically for oh. scratching. Oh. And they were like, "We need a DJ," so they brought <laughs> me in, and they had like recorded a song where they had uh, pantomimed scratching um, with oh, e- like e- wiki
0: wiki wiki. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: and they wanted me to s- they wanted me to scratch a specific set of words, and I was like, "That's not how this works. Like, I didn't have. S- I don't know that yeah. Serato was. I have to look in, in into the timeline of Serato technology, but I definitely didn't have Serato technology at that time. Oh, is time. that
0: what makes? That's what allows you to do something like that's, that. That's
1: that's what allows you to, to kind of like to scratch audio files via oh. your turntable. Oh, I see.
0: Yeah, and okay. I just had
1: I just had like some records, and I mean yeah. very few records. I was a yeah. you know I was a high schooler with who used like money from shoveling driveways yeah. to purchase my direct drive turntable. <laughs> yeah. So it was like that's, you know, unless it's on these records that I have here, like there's nothing I can, you know, I can't scratch the specific words. And we, yeah. you know, we practiced um god, this was I can't remember if this is my sophomore year or junior year. Um mm-hmm. but we, we practiced every Friday uh and I remember the f- god, it was oh, it must have been my junior. Yeah, it was the fall of my junior year because it was the DC Sniper attacks. Mm. It started uh, about a month into me yeah. being a part of the band, and the first, I ended up like going to our friend Teddy was where we uh, practiced. We, you know, we practiced in Teddy's basement, mm-hmm. and I, I seem to recall I went to his place to practice after the first day, like the when when like five people were shot and killed, mm. and uh, you know, a lot of my friends weren't allowed out of their houses, yeah. but my parents were like you know okay with it um uh, what
0: was the name of the band
1: beat artists
0: beat artists yeah like that's, the that's really very basic like yes <laughs> like... yeah we were high school students
1: <laughs> wasn't uh, you know i kind of found my way into the band it didn't it didn't really go we was never there played you ever a
0: played a, you didn't play a show
1: we didn't play a single show uh, which is fine i mean the fact that i even had that experience is you know was no, was nice because i don't know that i would ever really thought i could do that um yeah, so I'd,
0: so like just being in the audience was always enough. Or? Yeah.
1: Uh yeah. and I mean I uh, like I'd uh I obviously like I I drew as a child like I had my own creative outlets but I wasn't pining to uh to perform in that way. I I did like theater like I was sort of a theater kid. I did some plays in high school and middle school. Mm-hmm. Um but I that that was more something that I did for fun. I didn't really care for like the uh um the intensity of, of the theater world that Mm -hmm. some of the, some of my friends were, were really up on. Like it was, (laughs) it, it was a way to goof off, uh, which is why I didn't do it that often. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't like, I didn't have a a big desire to play music in in that way. Um, but you know, it was fun the when I sort of did it.
0: Okay, so I, yeah, I guess we can uh, skip ahead. So, how long were you in Boston? Was it was just to be in Americorps? Was it that... was
1: yeah. I was in I was in Boston for about a year. It it was okay. two. It was from the summer of '08 to the summer of '09. Because uh, mm. the day after I finished Americorps, I moved to Chicago because I'd gotten into Northwestern uh, for grad school. I yeah, I went to you, Medill. you went to Medill, right? I did go to Medill.
0: And how was that?
1: It was okay um i mean it, you know was there it gave...
0: en- enough juice for you there <laughs> no no not i enough was juice? i was
1: i was one i was one of the few like that was uh i mean that was a real eye-opening experience mm. to be i mean i i was working i was doing AmeriCorps in roxbury like it, it mm-hmm. i i it, i also i enjoyed not being in the majority in the way that it felt like at brandeis i was part of a majority like mm-hmm. that that was new, um, uh, and uh, yeah, I was one of like a handful of Jews in in, in, <laughs> in the program at Medill. Um, I mean, I was I was part of the largest class that they'd ever admitted at Medill because I had applied to grad schools following the the recession when yeah. everyone was was applying to grad schools and a lot of programs were cutting back, uh-huh. and the fact that our class was like two to three times larger than than the previous largest class at Medill yeah. m- made it feel like we were um, just kind of like being brought through a system and, and, you know, like we were providing money for the program, which is, you know, that's higher ed. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, it felt like we were all being rushed through. <laughs> um, And I mean, the Medill grad program is really a boot camp, which is, which is yeah. great. Like it's a, it's a trade school and um, it's, yeah. it's great that like, especially for a lot of my uh, cohort who had never done journalism this was the thing they needed to yeah. to do it which rules um i wish there were more opportunities for everyone who yeah. who uh who attended journalism school to actually pursue journalism afterwards because very few of us ended up pursuing journalism in in any capacity afterwards like those jobs didn't yeah really there exist. was
0: there was a woman there that contacted me I, I don't know I don't know if she intersected with your time there. Her name is Lauren Bone or mm, Bond. No, uh, I think it may have been a year or two after you. But yeah, she made this video about me when I had my blog about being a cab driver. Oh, nice! It's called Chicago's Taxi Cab Salinger. The Reader ran <laughs> it actually because no way that was right around the same time I started contributing to the Reader. Yeah,
1: God, what year was
0: that? Like twenty ten.
1: Okay, because I yeah, yeah I started in. September, 2009 and finished in August, 2010. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a quarterly system and yeah. they, ad, they admit, uh, students three out of the four quarter or yeah, they, they admit students three times a year. So you really get like, it, it, it really get the sense that like, Oh, we're, they're, yeah. they're churning us out. Um, I think,
0: I think she's still involved in journalism or she was a few years ago. She was okay. somewhere overseas doing, I think she wanted to be like a, you know, like a, on air newscaster or some that kind. rules. And That's what she was. So we shot this video, it, which you can still find. It's it's semi embarrassing. I'll find. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll seek it out. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. I mean,
1: like a, a year long program wasn't enough to develop certain skills in more advanced ways. So if uh-huh. you were interested in like, in especially in digital video at the time, you yeah. really had to like have the equipment and and care yeah. for that. Because they were, they were also, I you know, like I started the program at such an interesting time technologically, mm-hmm. where they were telling us we had to buy our own equipment Ooh. for this stuff. Like we had to get specific computer, which is you know pretty, I think, routine to yeah. have like a certain set of computer and computer programs. But like for the video, like kind of basic video filming for some of the classes that we had, they were telling us to get cam like cassette based camcorders uh, uh which looked like really rinky when we were out reporting with those things um because yeah. the other people reporting were like tv like full-time tv broadcasters with you yeah. know cameras that are large larger than a, a six-year-old um, right and here we're here we are with these cameras that fit in the palm of your hand uh mm-hmm. as as grad school students at uh it was strange, but the the DSLR like I wanted to, to shoot with DSLRs, which mm-hmm. the DSLR technology for video at that time was not not advanced enough for the for the program to um, suggest that like that they were just like that is not an, an an option. Yeah. Um, which is you know which is fine, but it did feel so strange like we were using cam camcorder technology that was very quickly being outmoded, and it felt yeah. like what what skills are we learning on on this device like shooting to tape is fine yeah. for a very small section of the people involved in this uh in this program who are going to go on to like uh the vi- you know the the program was divided into like if you want to do investigative reporting yeah. after the in starting in the third quarter you go on the investigative track if you want to do magazine reporting which is what i wanted to do you go on this track if you want to do tv yeah reporting you go on this track that you, you end up you yeah. know using the tv camera equipment uh so that like tape-based technology obviously made sense but yeah why why we were using camcorders is very very silly um <laughs> yeah like that uh that program was it was it, a lot of it was great i i appreciated yeah. that i was able to, to learn a lot of like really in some ways rudimentary, but like skills that investigative reporters use yeah. that, uh, that I could eventually apply to arts journalism um, because I, you know, I didn't think to do that <laughs> for, prior to, uh, to starting the program. And I was already freelancing yeah. uh, before I, I published my first story with a Boston Phoenix in the summer of 2009. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, like, writing professional like yeah. doing music journalism professionally was uh, starting to become a thing for me regardless of, of me attending the program but whether or not I would be able to <laughs> survive on that was another thing
0: So what was your first, were you at the reader already when you graduated or no? No, no, no but not, I did no right away.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I did pitch Philip Montoro, my editor, uh, in the spring of uh, in in the spring of 2010, I pitched him on a yeah. story about this DIY space that was in a old moped shop in the Congress Theater storefront. It was a store mm. storefront of the Congress Theater. Yeah. Um. And Philip got back to me in 45 minutes. Oh. Um Yeah. I remember being like, "Wow, this is the quickest response I've ever gotten for a pitch." <laughs> um. Uh. And you know, later Philip would you know, told me like he was he was interested in in doing more reporting on DIY in Chicago because yeah that that was like a spot that he saw as as the reader like one the reader could do more of and two yeah. very much in the character of the publication um so yeah i published my first story in the best it came out in the best of chicago 2010 issue oh, okay. which was also allison true's final issue for the paper
0: yeah she was my first editor at the yeah yeah oh well, that was when i don't know if you remember but like one of the problems there was like she, she was taking basically and republishing, re-editing, uh, you know, entries from my blog
2: hmm.
0: about cab driving. But like you wouldn't get paid unless you were in the print issue. Weird. Yeah. Uh, and, I did not know that. And the, I stopped giving her stuff because she kept putting it off like like well why and it was at a point when the you know the 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 reader website was like kind of useless
1: sure yeah Um, i mean i i remember the the look of that website was yeah
0: it was Uh, a lot on one page (laughs) yeah yeah it was a mess uh and I, i was very frustrated with with them and and with her you know like for that sure so i was like well I, I can just put these on my blog and the effect is the same. You know what I mean? In I mean, current, yeah, You're not giving lo- me any money, so. <laughs> it,
1: which, which I see is more of like dealing with a, a terrible situation that Creative Loafing handed all of its, mm. you know, newspapers. Because I also, yeah. as I started freelancing for the reader, I started freelancing for the Washington City Paper, which was also under yeah. Creative Loafing. And oh, okay. I remember writing blog posts for them where it was just like, oh, this is 25 bucks. You know, yeah. you know like, which. Right. Was better than yeah, it's better than nothing. But like, f- they figured out how to like take the very minuscule budget that they were given and and apply it to um, web stories in that way. But yeah, creative loafing was awful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like just awful all all around.
0: Yeah, I mean the yeah the story of whatever the reader survival is so so crazy and like the succession of weird business setups. Yes. that are kind of like slapped together, and some. Uh, I mean, I'm continually amazed at that that the reader still exists like in yeah. any form. Uh, yeah. I mean this, the,
1: <laughs> this recent, um, this recent crisis is the third uh, near, near disaster Yeah, uh, that I've experienced here in just the, since like 2016, 2017, like we've been through right a lot in, in just six years. And the, you know, the nice thing is the, that we've grown mm-hmm. the past few years. That's been the remarkable thing. Um, you know, Philip says this a lot, like he didn't think he'd see a day where we'd be hiring editorial positions. Um, and just this fall, we hired people for positions that didn't exist before, which is remarkable. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that credit goes to, to Tracy and Karen, uh, the the co-publishers for, for finding, figuring out how to raise the funds necessary to build these, um, build these positions and advocate for them.
0: But just, I mean, the bizarre thing is, like, you—you'd mentioned that 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 Washington City paper, which I never read, but I didn't even know that any other alt weekly still existed in any form except for the Reader. Uh, the, I mean, there's I, so I, few.
1: I think the largest alt weekly in the country now is in Vermont, actually. Oh, um, and I mean, <laughs> I haven't I haven't done a uh, you know a big yeah like survey, but um, there I think they have like thirty five people on thirty five editorial staffers. Wow. We have 35 people on staff total. Yeah, yeah. Um. But their their publication Seven Days um is, I don't know if thriving is the right word, yeah. but it's doing very well. And part of that is you know the, there's there's a variety of reasons that it's it's doing that yeah. well. I know this. I mean I I know this. My wife is from Montpelier, and um so Seven Days is the
0: you wait. Know, it, you're married.
1: Uh, I eloped a month ago. <laughs>
0: oh, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I've... <laughs> I, I don't know if I even met your wife or girlfriend. She's, uh, she's, yeah, yeah. She's Julie's. Thank you. Yeah, Julie's wonderful.
1: Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been slowly, you know, telling people, but I, I tend to keep my.
0: Well, this won't be up till sometime in July, so your secret's safe for another couple awesome. of months. Yeah, which is. <laughs>
1: julie's born in july so this will be perfect yeah yeah um uh yeah yeah i mean like we've been slowly telling people over the years but uh, yeah uh, over the weeks sorry um uh yeah we went to city hall courthouse uh saturday april 2nd and um it was super fun uh but yeah yeah so she's she's from montpelier she's you know her family's uh from vermont and that paper distributes all over the state of Vermont it's you know Vermont is oh, okay a, so
0: it's a statewide so that's a difference it's a yeah. it's a
1: statewide all weekly it is as thick as the reader was when I first moved to Chicago which is mm. not four sections but was still large yeah. I
0: remember the four sections because I got here in 1990 and gotcha. it was it was also black and white that I remember that was the first shock was when they switched to color and it was right like, what the fuck is this <laughs> like yeah. why did you do this like it, it was like it seemed like a some kind of concession to commercialism, you know, like, <laughs> like the color. <laughs> but you know, like it, now it doesn't now it just feels kind of routine.
1: I mean, yeah. what newspaper that still prints isn't you know doesn't yeah. have color at this point. Yeah, uh, which you know, yeah, seven days is, has color photos all. But it's, it's down
0: to the the thickness of a shopping circular. Yes, you know, like that, yeah, it's a yeah. huge difference. The,
1: I mean, yeah, and, and seven days is is fairly thick. Um, yeah. So the the you know the daily newspaper is a Gannett newspaper, uh-huh. uh huh. Which is, uh, I mean, they're down to bare bones over there, and they're mostly relying on wire copy, like Gannett. Yeah. The Gannett is like the largest um, newspaper country company in the country. Is like oh, really, is? Okay. really done. Huge damage to yeah. <laughs> to uh, to journalism and the way that like the public can be expected to function. Because well, of you use... can
0: see even you know well like you know for locally like a shitty you know Chicago Tribune like half those stories are things that are you know from other services very right clearly, right very easily because you know i know where they come from because i read them you know like in the new york times or right. whatever where yeah. they're just reprinting them like well why why would i even bother to open this dumb page you know exactly <laughs> and that's uh, you know
1: and and what what little i know about the i forget the name of the daily um i think it's the burlington free press uh-huh um uh yeah it's like it's down to the bare bones they're i don't even think they're publishing seven days a week that you know Meanwhile 7 Days has like a a very fleshed out staff that's doing on the ground reporting about small communities mm-hmm. that are largely rural that don't have yeah you know like internet access isn't the same there i said you know that probably are,
0: helps them so so they're Exactly. so they're mostly getting it from ad ad revenue from for for print.
1: Yeah, they have ad revenue. I still yeah. I think they, you know, like a lot of all weeklies do event planning like they make money from events. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but they still have like, uh, it's, it's not robust, but they have one, ads. you know, they have like classified sections mm. still. Oh, they have uh, classifieds. It, yeah. 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 And it's, it's just like the, you know, the Phoenix, the, the city paper, the, yeah. you know, the, the village voice was when I was started picking that up or, or it's just like, wow, this is so fun to read these. Um, because you could see strangers personalities as they're asking to, you know, like hook up with, uh, you know, sure. Like, that like that's that was so... the biggest
0: fun you know in the olden days of reading the reader was all yeah. that like misconnections and all that other stuff yeah you know, and like... that
1: and that exists in seven days and you yeah. know okay it's not a well, that's that not makes a model. sense uh... yeah. and and that's not a model that obviously will work in every other all weekly but it exists in part because of this like strange combination of of like there's a, a an information yeah not vacuum but um the yeah. and there is you know there are there's a news website in Vermont called Vermont Digger that is entirely online mm-hmm. that does you know very on the ground political reporting but um yeah Seven Days is an alt weekly they do rigorous Crazy. arts journalism too okay um, so yeah it's a
0: well um, that's cool yeah but uh, yeah I mean I've had this question about the Reader for years and years is like what what can that what can the reader offer that can't be found in other places? You know, I mean, mainly, you know, websites and it's, it's still like an open question because I mean, I remember getting invited to talk to a freshman, uh, English class at Northwestern, like shortly after my first book came out. So this would be like, I don't know, 2012, 2013, 14, maybe. And the professor introduced me as, like, one of my other jobs was contributing to the reader. And most of the kids there had never heard of the reader, you know? It just yeah. was not part of their reality, which indicated to me that, like, the reader was ha- was going to have a problem, you know? Right. <laughs> which is, like, what, what how do you break through, you know, the, the noise of the Internet? And what, what can you offer in what format? That is not offered a million other places, you know? Well, I, I,
1: you know, I think that answers I, like it's easy to it's easy to be like the, you know, the Internet is the reason. But I think a lot of a lot of the issues that we have found or that I've encountered mm-hmm. being at the reader as long as I have is, is like part of the reason people don't necessarily know it's there is because it, it you know, the value of the reader comes in large part. I don't want to say in large part, but in part because it is in print and and you yeah. can find it and pick it up and if you can't find it how are you supposed to know it's there you know um when i when i moved here red eye was mm-hmm. at kind of its its i don't know if peak is is yeah. the right word but they had people stationed at l stops passing yeah, out newspapers i remember that um and red eye like red eye did have like a, a big it, you know it was the largest publication in the city yeah uh which is saying something uh and the tribune did that did that publication real dirty the fact that like yeah it doesn't have a functioning website is bad like i think is is like as as somebody who who appreciates archives and, yeah. and you know uh thinks we need to take like i think it's important to to care for what came before so that we could have a better sense of yeah. the past uh as a guiding mechanism for the future and learning and 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 everything yeah. and to see the way that red eyes as you know, its history has just been like completely smoldered by the larger publication. It's really upsetting because Oh well, yeah, you I know... mean
0: the, the Tribune is just such fucking garbage. And yeah, I, I say this as a former contributor to the tri- like I used <laughs> sure. to write book reviews for the Tribune. That's right, I remember that. Yeah, which yeah, like that ended very badly. But
2: <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that.
0: But that but that and that was in a publication that was another completely misguided thing called called Printer's Row, which was sold separately and you had to get a separate subscription, you couldn't find it on a newsstand. That's you know? so weird. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's this woman, Jennifer Day, who more recently took a buyout. She was one of the men, you, you know, like oh. during the latest exodus, you know, but uh, yeah, that, it was, it was, it was awful. And <laughs> uh, I didn't know anybody who read that paper, you know, like, and I certainly didn't, <laughs> even mm-hmm. as a contributor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, they, their history is is like uniformly awful, uh, for for very different reasons, and you know it's a very completely different story than the the story of the reader, you know. <laughs> Which is you know I mean
1: the I came to Chicago being like oh the Tribune is this like. Yeah. Uh, glorious you know like it it you know it is the paper i didn't you know i didn't know as, aside
0: from rick kogan there's not much to recommend the, the, the there's tribunal. i still like <laughs> i still i
1: mean here's the thing as like as, every now
0: and then uh chris Borelli will, will write something worth reading but like
1: <laughs> i mean I, the, here's the thing as a as a music writer yeah. as somebody who's like yeah. still like i still have my subscription because brit julius is writing music uh. stories and Hannah Edgar is writing music stories for them. Oh, and the fact so. that they even had the wherewithal to pay for a classical music critic mm. after their classical critic yeah. retired um you know it doesn't make up for the fact that like th- the section has like deteriorated over like they you know 2 years ago they were constantly like it was. It was difficult for me to keep up with all the music stories that they were publishing, mm. and through uh, you know through like a lack of funding, I you know I don't know what it is, but like the yeah. fact that they don't have a full time music critic, yeah, and they're the largest paper in town is really baffling to me.
0: Well, because um, what well, Cott took a buyout too, right? Is, is yeah, Kott he took gone? a buyout yeah. in twenty
1: yeah. in early twenty twenty. Yeah, I know he's um, been gone
0: for a little while. Yeah,
1: yeah, and Howard Reich took uh, re- retired in yeah. January twenty twenty one. And he was the last full time music critic at any newspaper in Chicago. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, aside from me, I should say, like the last yeah. daily. Um. I'm I'm the last one at a Chicago
0: newspaper. Um, right. That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it's a it's definitely an ever shifting landscape. You know. Yeah. Personally, I'm 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 very thankful whenever they they throw me any work, you know, or like accept a pitch, but. Uh, I I never take it for granted and, you know, don't know. <laughs> Every, for, for, for many, many years, you know, a couple of times be, before this last last, last uh, crisis, you know, like open, right. openly wondering to anybody who wants to talk like how this thing still goes. You know, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. It's an I amazing mean, thing.
1: <laughs> but there, you know, there is a need because the work yeah. that you do is distinctive and the work that I think almost all of our contributors do is, is, <laughs> is really is necessary. Well, that's, that's kind of you to say, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how, I, how, I mean, I, how needed
0: it is, but <laughs>
1: I, I think it's neat. It's, you know, it's, um, your perspective is unique. Your writing is great. Like that, the, like that it's, uh, you're giving something that doesn't exist elsewhere. And, uh, you know,
0: well, I, I do, I, I will say, yeah, I definitely have a, a fucking point of view, you know, like, yeah, and and well, that's to... why anybody would hire me, it's like, it's, it's not for any kind of technical expertise or anything, it's just, I have, I have an, you know, I have some opinions. Yeah, <laughs> and being able to, being able
1: to do that, being able to, to put a spotlight on that, on your, you know, you and your voice, and all these other people, and all their other voices, like, that's, yeah. that is part of what makes this place worth fighting for, and, and, and still stand out, I mean, not everyone is going to, like, I, I, it's it's funny, you know, especially around our fiftieth anniversary, seeing the way that other people are like, "Oh, the reader during this heyday," and it's just sort of like that's just not how, like the the reader functions in a space now that is completely different. Like, the, the, nothing could be what the reader was in the nineties. Now, like, of course. it just doesn't. There's not space for that. But I think we are able to, to, um, show why this place is meaningful with the work that we publish. Um, and, yeah with you know hopefully with more money like we can we can kind of build it up into nothing will will be at like quite like the heyday in the 90s but um it it'll be great in a different way and that's yeah. you
0: know no i'm i'm not I, I don't say the things i say out of some kind of like misplaced nostalgia or, sure, or longing yeah. for the past i i've never I've never been that. Like I, I don't, I don't think the good old days ever existed, and I don't want to return to anything. You know, uh, it's it's just a, like the challenges of the present day that you know concern me.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: How and but it's great that you know, like. I don't know where else I would have read, like the oral history of Joan of Arc, for instance. That you, right. That, that right. Was an That was an insane thing. <laughs> Thank you, exist. and that was and that was super
1: fun. Like yeah. you know, as, as a, it
0: just went on. Like I think it took me half a day to read that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <and> it was. <laughs> it's like uh, it just went on and on and on. <laughs> and and the fact that
1: I get to do that for my job is something that I don't take for you know take for granted at all. It's super. It's super fulfilling that I could. You know, this this band that existed as as kind of like a question mark to me when I first discovered them and uh, felt like very much a part of what it means to be interested in music in Chicago for the entire time that I've lived here yeah. to suddenly go away. Doing that felt really necessary yeah. and vital and being able to do that in a way that's like, this is this is their community here. This is, these are the people who's...
0: No, it, it, yeah, it was a, yeah. A, it, I was, I love that. Not, not Lisa, which be, because, you know, I, I know that guy very well. Yeah. <laughs> He's a friend and... <laughs>
1: and I lo- I love that Tim was just sort of like, I don't need to talk for this.
0: <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's, it was crucial that, 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 that was the thing that made the whole thing that he wasn't interviewed for it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, but like, just the fact of like all those people, uh, yeah, I mean, I've have, I've have a Joan of Arc cover under my belt. That's right on my resume. <laughs> uh, I've done a couple of things. I with like Tim, a spreadsheet. But...
1: <laughs> I I think I think this is in the intro, but I put together a spreadsheet of anyone who's who was ever credited on a Joan of Arc album, mm-hmm. and your name was on there. And yeah, like, yeah. I think 125 people.
0: It's an inc- it's were... <laughs> incredible. I, yeah, I just uh, I did one of these with uh, Jonathan Van Herrick. Oh yeah, uh, which will be fun. Uh, like quiet guy i think he surprised himself we talked for an hour and a half wow so that that's coming up but he was uh he was a very early he was in joan of arc early that's right very short time yeah but i met those guys all those guys at jinx coffee on division street they all worked there uh i didn't even know any of them were in music and they're younger than me so they were just like these like you know disaffected coffee shop people (laughs) you know like coffee shop (laughs) clerks you know like being kind of like stoned and playing weird music (laughs) (laughs) i had no idea yeah who who tim was or any of them or jonathan or any of them like brian case was hanging out there all those uh rob Lowe. oh man yeah It, it, it was quite a scene like in retrospect yeah speaking of like whatever like the heyday but like that was the birthplace of all so much of that chicago music or other you know music that went on
1: Right. And now Brian Case's son is playing in Bands and I know. Yeah. I
0: saw the I saw the two of them at uh the Lightning Bolt show at Talia like a month ago or something. Month or two How ago. was that? It was great. It was I was worried about it because I'd only seen that band once before and it was like the loudest show I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was at the Empty Bottle. I was all the way in the back and it was like just ear splitting. Jeez. Uh, but like at Talia was perfect because the The sound had room like you you know because it's a big space it worked a lot better Hmm. and i was up in the i was up in the balcony for most of it so i could just watch this like roiling like massive humanity that was like one of the you know first shows that i saw where people felt comfortable to like really mix again you know with each other and Yeah, I I made I made a sketch and they actually posted it on their website, which is pretty cool. Oh, that rules. Whoever runs their website like got back to me. I I sent it to them and like, yeah. Is it Brian? Oh shit, what was that guy's name? It's no it's it's not uh it's not anybody in the band. Okay. It uh, they have a site called uh like I think it's called like Laser Beast or something. Laser something. It's it's where all there. It's a very, very old school website
2: <laughs> okay
0: but it's got their tour dates and stuff in in the news section as a sketch uh, that i did from the balcony at talia it was a lot of fun but yeah the, brian and uh asher, asher were there yeah
2: yeah
1: i <laughs> i just interviewed asher yesterday for oh story. you did
0: yeah oh nice it's that, yeah. I've listened. I've listened to a few tracks of that band. Is like that's that's definitely Brian Case's kid. Like, <laughs> know, like like the sound of that band. You know, like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. Yeah,
1: I, yeah it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Asher's whole scene. It's so funny to hear the way that they've kind of like taken taken uh, cues from the music that like their parents were obviously interested in and or you know in the case of like brian
0: but yeah uh, when yeah when i met them they were doing like 90 day men was happening or it right. was yeah. about to happen yeah like all the yeah all that stuff
1: that's wild
0: <laughs> yeah it's a it it's it's amazing how how many of those people are still involved in like music and art that's crazy uh because it's a discouraging business and it doesn't most of what all these people are into will never make, make it to, you know, like the, the big entertainment world, you know?
1: Right. And it won't
0: necessarily like
1: even cover your bills half the time. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's what I love about being in this city is that there's a lot of people who are able to make space to be able to, to, to do art that is unpopular.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, Uh, it, it, it keeps, I mean, like, you know, I've, I've, yeah. Uh, had to restart like whole communities of, uh, of friends and whatever move neighborhoods and stuff. But this remains a city where you can get by. Uh, It's the only big city I I think that I could live the way I live in, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like Uh, uh, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, I know it's getting more expensive here, but especially coming from the East coast where like, yeah, you know, the rent that I pay now couldn't even cover a basement apartment in DC. Yeah. Yeah.
0: it's it's absurd. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I would never live in Boston again. But uh, like the I, my parents used to he used to lobby for me to move to New York. But can, why? I, how 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 could how could I ever afford New York? Uh, right. Ever, unless I just work day and night at some shit day job like like driving a cab. You know, <laughs> like right. And to afford a, like some kind of broom closet. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, like I, I don't have any chip on my shoulder about New York, but I can, I can do New York in a day or two easily. I go yeah. to a couple of museums, have a nice meal, maybe, like hang out with a, the two or three people I still know who live there, and I'm done. It's fine.
1: Yeah. The the. It's a nice place
0: to visit. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's not the center of anything, despite what they think you know it just yeah. isn't the, the, the <laughs> things I love about New York time,
1: yeah. are, the, the things I love about New York are largely yeah the friends that I have there um, yeah like I would I would go to visit them specifically and yeah again maybe swing by some museums and, and see other parts of the city but like yeah we have all of that here <laughs> why like and the quality of life is incredible and it doesn't smell like piss like what you know like what am I
0: yeah well because we have alleys
2: yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> you know
0: which they don't and yeah, yeah, if you like you know city architecture, if you like food, if you like music, I, I, there's there's not any of those that New York is any better at or more interesting than than this place.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: No, I, I mean, I, I have no I have no plans to go anywhere. Uh, I'm staying here.
2: That's great <laughs> to hear. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, for for a short time, like I, I was kind of intrigued by Baltimore. Yeah, like the just because it's kind of like scrappy and like I could see my, like surviving there somehow. But that's the only city, you know, of the other cities I've visited, you know, like my ex-wife lives in San Francisco and I have some connect friends there, but that place is even more expensive than New York and it's yeah. absurd.
1: I don't know how people survive there unless they own a tech company that has, you know, a lot of VC and, money.
0: Yeah. I just went there. I did a, book reading there in december and it's it's just horrendous the disparity like every street is just overrun with like either mentally ill or drug addicted homeless people Hmm. and and above them are these like multi-million dollar units sitting empty like everywhere like you go for miles and miles it's just like it's like a medieval like horror you know that city has become you know that's wild yeah uh, i've never
1: i've never been i okay. mean one day
0: but it's um, I, mean. Vig- I mean you know it's a it's a beautiful place just the yeah. topography and like yeah, you know, the layout and stuff but yeah it's like the economic situation there is just horrendous and they these tech bros or like or tech companies are waiting for some kind of like future that's just not going to be you know mm-hmm. i don't know and, and now that you know like i don't know are you planning to stay on musk talk <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it, professionally,
1: professionally, it's uh, I I am stuck on it. Um, I, I guess
0: I I'm, I have this argument with people all the time. I mean, I quit in 2015.
1: I uh, remember, and I remember the story you wrote about it.
0: Yeah, um, well, that that was my return to the reader. That story, right? Because I was I was black blackballed from the reader for for reasons we don't need to go into for a couple of years by an editor who left, and you know. <laughs> uh <laughs> but uh yeah that was the one yeah I wrote that for tall right and, and that was my return to the reader after a couple of years away uh but I th- I think that those things like like Twitter like create like their own like this urgency that I don't yes. know that it actually exists
1: I mean yeah there's a lot about uh, it that obviously I would be better off not being yeah. a part of it but unfortunately it is still <clears throat> Um, you know, a main resource for uh, for a lot of my sources, for a lot of people in my writing community, for you know, f- for this this field work. For yeah, uh, I hate using this term, but for promoting yeah my my work. Um, that is, you know, no, I understand. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah, I
2: know
1: it. <laughs> it's um, yeah, uh, and uh, I yeah, un- unless there's like a mass. Exodus were like the, you know, the, the positives aspects of being involved.
0: In It'll that. be curious to track. Like, I, I imagine, I can't see how it's not going to get a lot, a lot shittier in the coming, coming years with, sure. With, I mean, I already think gu- with the, the new boss, meet the new boss. <laughs>
1: I mean, I already think it's, it's like the shitty aspects of it have existed for such a long time. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know,
0: a previous president governed from Twitter. You yeah, know, like exactly. So, until he, uh, like can you imagine like if they just pulled a plug on him in twenty sixteen, rather yeah, it than would have uh twenty nineteen or whenever that was 18, I mean twenty sixteen
1: it might have it might have like not helped his chances uh for the you know for winning.
0: Well, uh, it would have definitely saved a lot of grief and some lives if he had been not allowed to be on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah. But I, yeah, they'll they'll all be back on there soon enough. Maybe, maybe
1: not. I mean yeah. It's, it's really, I like what little I know of, of Musk's approach. I mean, and, and what little I know of Musk in, you know, spending money on projects like this, it seems like nothing, you know, he doesn't pull anything out in the end. Like, yeah. great. I, I, I get that Tesla as a, as a company has had some success Yeah. Uh, in, you know, in the area of automobiles, but almost every other project I, you know, I'm aware of him investing his yeah. energies into it's just like what what's happened with that i don't you know uh not that he has to have like a an immediate solution but he's a lot of he talks big um, yeah and you know well he I'm, gets
0: he gets all these people involved and gets people to spend money but you know we... In this country, I guess yeah, failing on the biggest scale is like what we really value the most. Right? Yeah. Some. Uh, <laughs>
1: some. Uh, oh God, what's, what's the name of the, uh, the blood testing, uh, company that? that... Uh,
0: oh, Theranos. Theranos. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, all you need to do is dress like Steve Jobs and yes. change the color of your hair and,
1: <laughs> and your voice a little bit, and yeah.
0: You're... All that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. I mean. Uh, elon musk as an entity is just so v- incredibly vile i don't know like there's nothing attractive about that like who would want to look at that don't no,
1: apparently a lot of people on the internet yeah the the i think next to it's absurd yeah i think what what is perhaps grosser to me than than a lot of musk like yeah. energy yeah. is the people who are like who claim fealty to him yeah Like yeah. what's that doesn't make a lot of sense to me um that is strange to me
0: yeah 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 i mean I'm, i i will never I'll, I'll always admit to some kind of naivete like just like the fact that like the ex-president got a single vote still baffles me like by anybody <laughs> right that, that anyone in the world would like vote for that i, and I that, still don't understand
1: and uh, that you know somebody of his pedigree and position was able to co-opt, you know, yeah. the working class, um, and, and people but pro-
0: are, you know, if, if, if it proves nothing, then I guess anything is possible in America. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, quitting, quitting that platform in 2015, I'm still convinced save my friggin' mind. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, um, <laughs>
1: it's definitely given me a lot of headaches that I would prefer not to have. Um, and it's also given me, connected me to a lot of people that I genuinely enjoy interacting with, I, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the thing where I'm just like, is today the day that I quit that? You know, I would, I would miss having that kind of access to the easy communication with people who uh, aren't near me. Or aren't a part of my life in a like, you know, I I don't want to say that they're like passing acquaintances or something, but there is, you know, there's an element to the. But I mean,
0: you know, with any of these platforms that there is a life cycle and it will like Twitter will end at some point, just as, you know, MySpace was ubiquitous for a few years.
1: And and as Facebook has fallen into like destitution and
0: well yeah d- yeah facebook is for like old people but i guess i i'm 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 always surprised when i find anybody on faith that they still do that i lasted a, a grand total of like two months on facebook total like it just seemed like a portal straight to hell like always like everything about it was all wrong to me but uh the mean, fact re- that it, but it, you know it, they're gonna go away and something else will be hashed in its place uh you know
2: yeah
1: yeah uh, i mean i remember getting facebook as a college freshman
0: mm, uh, <laughs> right yeah you're you're the right age for it to be like what it you know was first engineered for yeah, yeah
1: i was i was right. at one of the handful of universities that oh, actually okay. got it before at, you know, at majority, brandeis at brandeis yeah. oh wow Um, we were, I mean, I don't know how many, but it was, it was, it was a pretty small pool of, of non-Harvard universities that had access to the facebook.com.
0: Yeah, Um, I I guess, yeah, like, you know, like my, my advantage is that I was, I'm older and I, you know, I had a whole life before the, and I was very late to the internet and it's just not, I mean, my, my persistent daydream these days is to turn it off completely. Yeah. But like, but that's not economically feasible. Like it would be so nice to like log in once a month, you know. Like that's my dream, but it's it, I'm I'm far from realizing that, you know.
1: Yeah, I I mean I still get sources reaching out to me or that I communicate with only through there. And again, yeah.
0: if but you know. uh yeah, the thing is that like people get so used quickly to like one of these platforms and they act as if no, there's no other way to contact people. So like. You know the same year that i quit twitter i got rid of my smartphone uh hell and, yeah and i still yeah I, I have a dumb phone i have a very fancy dumb phone but still what
1: wait, what kind of phone
0: uh a punked mp2 it's it's uh, the swiss designer made this phone it looks like a calculator hmm. and it's a really cool looking phone and i've had i've had them since like 2016 or 2017 and there's not even a camera on it and there's no possibility of connecting to the internet it's just talking text i had to <laughs> relearn t9 you know wow. like te- so that's what i've been doing this whole time since that's then. that's so cool but what i was trying to get to is that like i'm as reachable as ever if somebody wants to write me like an email or text me it's just that i'm choosing to use the technology i want to cho- you know use rather than the other way around yeah. And people get used to either Twitter DMs or whatever, or some kind of like chat thing. And they act like nothing. There's like, if you don't use that, then you're like, people thought, well, was like I had died or something. Sure. Yeah. When I quit Twitter, like that's, it's, it's weird how, how attached people get to one thing or another, but all of them like will disappear like within five or 10 years, you know? Yeah. it will just be gone like and we won't remember like does anybody remember fucking friendster you know like historians yeah i know i, re- <laughs> I had a roommate who had friendster like and he was just so so excited about it when he the had only... friendster i wasn't even turning on i didn't even know how to turn on a computer but <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only thing i remember about friendster was that andrew wk had a lot of it's like renowned for yeah. having a lot of friends on Friendster.
0: Yeah, and Friendster died because they got popular too quickly, like they I mean, they didn't know how to scale up or whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then MySpace eclipsed them, but nobody remembers MySpace either, and I I'm really really hoping that like
1: nobody will remember Twitter.
0: Or or face well Facebook even more so but yeah Facebook is already pivoting into this next thing which is like their Stupid. new like whatever Second Life SimCity that they're right. building <laughs>
1: yeah I, I I don't get the appeal of it but you know uh, maybe uh, maybe there are a lot of people who think that that's a use a good use of
2: their I don't time. get I don't, yeah th-
0: there's so much of this te- technology just it just seems like this like huckster car- carnival barkers wet yeah. dream you know like like virtual reality, for instance. You know what I like better than virtual reality? Actual reality. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like it, I don't yeah. want to
0: walk around with a fucking helmet on. You know, like yeah. that's not that's not a life I want to live.
1: Yeah, the novelty <laughs> the novelty is uh, doesn't go that far.
0: Or are they they tricked all these movie theaters into investing in three D technology. Like three D movies right. suck. Like they don't look anything like reality. They, they, it's just like a, a cheap gimmick. You know. I mean, <laughs> it, it. I will
1: say it is funny watching. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was some movie that I watched recently at home that was part of that like more recent 3D wave. Uh huh. And there was like a shot where you know the some object was you know meant to come at. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wait, was this a 3D movie? <laughs> I know. And, you know, it was, but uh, whatever. Like, I,
0: I
2: didn't... It's a, I,
0: it's a fun gimmick, but it's not... Yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah just it a, it's a way to trick people into spending money for shit they don't need, you know? Yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> if it enough. doesn't...
1: It, I don't think I've... I saw, like, a handful of 3D movies in theaters, and it never really enhanced the experience. Yeah. All that yeah. to
0: say that I'm convinced that, like, at some point in the not-too-distant future, like... Twitter will not be your main source for whatever, like all the, the cool music people that you need to talk to, to write your oh, stories, sure. you know?
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I will, you know, if I'm still in journalism, we'll have to adapt in whatever yeah. ways are, 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 necessary. And I'm already, you know, I'm putting up lines. I'm drawing lines already. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I, like I mean, what? like I'm not, I'm not involved in TikTok, and perhaps yeah. it would help me to, right. um, to get deep, you know to, to like use tiktok in a in a more meaningful way but it's just sort of like i already have enough on my plate like that's mm-hmm. um but i also understand like that is a very specific choice i made that could prevent me from finding some stories that might be interesting to me yeah um so yeah there are lines that i've already drawn and i'm sure that that will continue to, to come up more and more um but at the moment i still have yeah i think i think also part of it is just like i already have like so many different social media avenues where i am talking and communicating with sources one more will just make me miserable and not necessarily and
0: do you see yourself continuing in in journalism for for a long time or is there some other new dream that's down the line
1: yeah that's a that's a great question i have no idea um (laughs) journalism has been burning me out for a little while. Yeah. I still, I love it. And I love what I'm able to do with the reader specifically. And well, I, I mean, you're
0: that. incredibly prolific. I mean, you write half that paper every week. It's it seems yeah, like... And, <laughs> and it's exhausting. It's, yeah. you know,
1: it is, that's, and that's the part that I need to figure out is like, how do I make this less exhausting while still feeling fulfilled in, in yeah. the way that like writing as frequently as I do does make me feel. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's, it's a time management issue and I don't, and journalism like a lot of fields, isn't uh, built to uh, accommodate time management. <laughs> Although, yeah. like one of the many things that I love about working with with Karen Hawkins, our mm-hmm. editor-in-chief and co-publisher, is the degree to which she is invested in all of us taking time for ourselves.
0: That's a, That's cool. Yeah, it is. Like yeah, I've, she's never... seen, I've I've only had a few interactions with her, but they've always been positive. Like yeah, she's she's, 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 wonderful. she's pretty easy to deal with, which yeah. I can't always say with every newspaper type that I've ever dealt with. She's, she's she's
1: she's <laughs> um she's a great editor in both the you know, like in the editing sense. Like I had uh-huh. a, one of my um uh, Items for the best Chicago issue. Mm-hmm. I had a huge error in it that we didn't catch until after it yeah. was published. And Karen took care of that so easily and was so, um, so yeah. kind about it. Um, and I felt terrible about, about having introduced such a big error into my own item. And she yeah. was like, you know, remember, it, it yeah. happens.
0: I had to, I think I contacted her and, and Tracy because re- when, when the reader, website migrated to the word the current the wordpress thing there's a thing that burbled up that an unpublished article that shouldn't have ever been there of mine. oh wow and i i made sure that they took it away but because it came up in a search and like it's it the reason i was you know like not (laughs) i was blackballed from there for for a while was this article that was unpublished Hmm. (laughs) and yeah i just did a random search and it came up it's like oh no Weird. Like this can't this this can't see the light of day because they do, there will be lawsuits. Right, that's so strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was like you know they were migrating you know all those like right. all those archives and you know there was it was whatever setting that was said it was it was a draft not not to be published you know
2: mm, they got
0: yeah <laughs> <it was> like <laughs> but yeah they took it down very quickly.
1: Yeah, there. I mean. <laughs> Yeah and yeah Karen's Karen's a great leader in that in that way and in you know as a you know she gets the managing like the you're you're working with people and she understands how to work with a lot of different personalities and that's not yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, oh for it, sure. Yeah. So like I you know I'm I'm at the paper because I love working with Philip and I'm mm-hmm. continually at the paper because she's in that position that she's in. Um she's uh she's allowed she's given me and Philip the support we need to be able yeah. to like see through a lot of really complicated projects. Um, and, and she's given us the, yeah, all the support we need to be able to do that. And that wasn't always there for yeah either of us. Um, particularly in the years right before the sale to Tracy, to, right. you know, um, the current owners, um, who will not be current owners by the time this runs, uh, right. Kelsey and Len. Right. Um, yeah. Like, the the
0: yeah no i'm i'm very curious to see what what the next the next chapter what like how, how they'll do I, I i mean i hope they stick around and figure a way to keep going oh yeah, yeah yeah i
1: mean we you know we have all of these um employees on the non-for-profit uh infrastructure side who've been raring to build you know to like to kick off all the mechanisms to to raise money and to like get grants for four months now like we're in may now you know like for like this entire year yeah um and they their work was basically like frozen um you know they they did the work that they were able to do but like as far as like yeah fundraising in particular like they couldn't operate like that yeah but yeah that
0: yeah that that whole episode just like yeah sort of uh under highlighted how how precarious you know so many of these entities are like it reminded me of what happened with DNA Info, you know, right. where, where this like rich guy just decided to pull the plug one day just this, because, because he didn't like something that was written there or he got sick of writing off that tax loss for that year or whatever. He, you know, he like, got
1: he was upset that they were unionizing. Yeah. Uh, that that was, I mean, I think he was also like the, the I remember there were a bunch of cuts at DNA Info yeah. prior to him shutting down. So his enthusiasm for, uh, (laughs) for this outlet was beginning to wane, but it was, it was also, and I, you know, I think you could talk to anyone who worked at DNA info to, and they would probably be like, you know, this was, uh, the writing was on the wall from the get go because, like, you can't entirely. I,
0: I, yeah, I did an I did a thing with them at like Sox Park, like some art thing related thing. But it was like basically their their model was like a like a bake sale, basically. Like they'd yeah. have these events where they drum up like a, a couple of bucks. Other than that, it was the money that this this guy gave them. To keep yeah. going, so they they existed at his pleasure, basically. And, yeah, exactly. And, and when you, he, when it wasn't pleasing to him, he just pulled the plug.
1: Yeah, and we can't have he, a we can't, can't have some something that like the public relies on to exist be at the be yeah. so vulnerable to one rich person. That's um, you know. The yeah, I'm journalism. curious.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, like you know, I really like and you know, the obviously from the ashes of that you get Block Club, uh, which yeah. is a really interesting experiment, and I hope. You know, like they—they they seem to, you know, be surviving
1: and uh, thriving. I mean, yeah. they're constantly hiring new. Yeah, people. they're hiring it's,
0: new but... people, and I don't love everything the Block Club does, but I—I uh, I think that that's a way forward on the internet. Like, one of the central problems of the internet is whoever, like, I, whoever invented it probably didn't understand how ubiquitous it would get, and this whole idea that anything on the internet should be free is absurd. Because it's not right. free. It's not free to anybody that makes anything, right? You know. So the idea that any that you should get anything for free is absolutely wrong. It's you know, like,
1: <laughs> and I mean it's been it's been interesting. I think I think it's also a matter of like individuals having to reach that conclusion on their own. Yeah, I uh, pay,
0: like I I've systematically pay, paid like I pay for my internet, my uh, email service now. I pay for all kinds of st- things. Yeah, because I want I want to work with companies that are not just like using my information in lieu of of payment, you know, which is what it's totally legit. Like I have no problem. I have no outrage about like this or that, like where people get outraged about Facebook, you know, for mining for information. Well, like it's their fucking hamster wheel. Like, what do you want? Like they're not in it for their health. Right. Like, you know what I mean? But we need to, yeah, we need to be transparent about these things. And if you're going to participate, you pay for the damn services, you know, like, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what the reader will come up with, with that, with some sort of membership thing, but, uh,
1: we do have a membership thing. Um, and it's, you know, it seems to be like it, yeah, it is, it is working. I mean, when we, the The model that we've been relying on was uh, an L3C, like a hybrid non nonprofit for profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, nonprofits can still take money from ads, but uh, yeah. the the kind of resources that are available to nonprofits are largely unavailable to uh, L3Cs. But we, you know, mm-hmm. we did have memberships. We, you know, we still do have memberships. Uh, so people are paying like five bucks a month to, yeah, you know, um, to to support the the paper, which is great and uh i think we'll be able to do a lot more of that with the non-profit side but that is you know i'm i'm on the journalism side that's uh that's yeah. so <laughs> not yeah. out of my uh, you know not not in my my wheelhouse um nor should it be so
0: well yeah i hope it exists if if we know the other reason that i could have a place to read your articles cuz i always enjoy reading them so yeah they're and they're fun to write <laughs> well cool uh pretty much did it at this cool. point <laughs> yeah thanks thanks so much for doing this and i'll let you know uh when it posts because you know unlike you i'm not on twitter or anywhere else so <laughs> i did for this new project this this podcast thing i'm i need to rely pretty much completely on uh word of mouth so yeah and your millions of fans will have to tune in and listen to this conversation <laughs>
1: i'm happy to happy it alert alert them <laughs>
0: Okay, cool, cool, Leora. Uh, yeah, Hope maybe I'll see you at a show sometime. You
1: know? Yeah, I'm not going to shows too much. But still not still not going. Still not going to shows, uh-huh. but uh, hopefully the rooftop movie series will be back this summer because that was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah,
0: real... yeah. Is is he, is uh, Swan Swan Bur- bringing that back? Do you I know? gotta
1: I, I gotta see. I did go to. He's been doing them in like the back room of. He moved the video shop to the like the the ground level storefront beneath his apartment uh, oh. right around the corner from Borelli's and he 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 keeps bringing it like he keeps being like yeah we're gonna try it again this summer hopefully Borelli actually like fixed up the roof yeah um, and the, the staircase because I think that was the the thing that like was making Borelli anxious okay um,
0: well that's kind of the fun of it how janky it was <laughs> sure yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah I like like that but <laughs>
1: uh, but you know safety that's you know that's that's uh I'm okay with that. If that, if that is, if him fixing the staircase right. is also I, the thing that we got you important.
0: on the record say Lee Hur Galil says safety is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Break breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Talk to you later. Yeah. Later. Bye.
1: Bye.